Welcome to Living Box Free. Our mission is to help you break out of the box of worldly expectations. We're here to help you find your unique journey to a healthy, fulfilled life. Hello, welcome back to Living Box Free. So fun to be here with you all. I'm trying to channel my inner Becky because she could not be here today. And so I'm trying to channel the inner positivity. Guys, it's so good to... No, I can't do it. I can't. I can't. can't. I'm sorry. But good news. I do have somebody else here with me. My best friend is here to talk today about having issues. I'm Ashleen and she is... Ashley. Hey, just to make things real confusing. So today we're going to talk about mental illness because it's just such a, a fun topic. I mean, it really is. It's just a thrill to discuss, but it is necessary. So we're going to talk about that and I'm really excited for the interview. But before we do that, we always start with what's on the rise for you this week, Ashley. What's on the rise? On the rise for me, well, what's on the rise for me is my very first CrossFit competition. What? Yes, that I am so surprised that I would ever do a CrossFit competition, and now I am, and I'm super pumped about it. Which is why you're here. Which is why I am here for that to happen. Are you nervous? Um, no. Not yet? (laughs) Not yet. You probably (laughs) will be. It's fine. As of now, no. (laughs) Okay, good. Uh, on the rise for me this week, I feel like both, I mean, both having Ashley visiting and also I have some travel coming up. So like seeing people I don't normally see, which in pandemic life is, I don't even know. Real it's, weird. It's real weird. So that's on the rise for me is traveling and friends. I forgot I even had friends. So <laughs> I'd fly all the way here to find one. Exactly. So. Exactly. From Massachusetts, Mm -hmm. which speaking of which, let me introduce you a little bit. Ashley is my best friend. She's been in my life since we were freshmen in college, Mm -hmm. freshmen. Uh, We were in the same dorm on the same floor our freshman year of college and yeah, have just spent an unreasonable amount of time together and talking on the phone together since then in the past I don't. I can't even do that math. Too many years. Fifteen years. Yeah, something Good like that. Gracious. I know, right? We are getting <laughs> old. That's rough. Uh, she. We have not lived in the same place in many of those years, and so we've had a long distance friendship, spending most of our time chatting on the phone and over texting. And we are each other's support group often mm-hmm. for our mental illnesses and our issues. And so it just felt right that as she was here. During this series on having issues that she would come and talk about her issues because... Yeah, I'm glad that you were like, oh, I have a right. series called I Have Issues. Who should I ask? <laughs> Ashley. Perfect. <laughs> I just You were at the forefront <laughs> of my mind. <laughs> what does that say about me, our friendship? <laughs> it's fine. Don't take it personally. <laughs> so, yeah, why don't you tell us just a little bit about yourself, like what you do, where you live those kinds of things. Just tell us a little bit. Yeah. So I live in Massachusetts, as you have said, north of Boston, and I am a church planter. I'm part of a church called Anthem, and it's two and a half years old. And I do like every job imaginable at Anthem that no one else wants to do. (laughs) So (laughs) community, a lot of the things I do is surrounded about community life and bringing people together as a community and introducing people to our church and getting them involved. Okay. Mm -hmm. 
And obviously you do CrossFit. Yes, and yep. I do CrossFit. You have other hobbies we should know about? Um, well, my roommates have a cat, and I really <laughs> love staring at it because she's so cute. <laughs> Just for the record, that's not a hobby. That's no? Okay. All right. We'll, we'll talk about that later off the air. <laughs> but no, I think we need to find you a new hobby. You like reading? I do like reading. And movies? Yes. Shows? Yes. Yeah. Well, that's a little bit. That was sort of a sad biography. <laughs> a little bit but better. I took up hiking over oh, cor- yeah. over quarantine. I learned how to hike. Okay, so that's fun. That's a thing that one must learn how to do. Uh, in the wilderness, like there's marks on trees, and you follow them. Trail signs. Yes, those. <laughs> I learned how to use them. <laughs> Congratulations! Thank you. Thank I'm you. proud of you. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, let's dive into this interview. <laughs> Um, I really am excited that you're here. I'm excited to hear what you have to say and hear you tell your story. So I know that as a kid growing up in upstate New York, in our culture, we really never talked about mental illness. I don't even know if that term was necessarily around then. It's not something we discussed. So talk to me about when you learned about mental illness and what that experience was like. Yeah, I echo that. For me growing up, I don't know if it's our generation. I don't know if it's, I grew up in rural Nebraska, so maybe it was a rural thing. But Mm -hmm. yeah, that was something that we never talked about. Um, I don't know if I even heard those words, basically, and um, or knew anyone who went to therapy or took medication. Those are just, that world was totally foreign and didn't have any concept of it that it, existed. And I think even even though I can I can trace back if I'm reflecting on my own life and my own mental illness, even though I can trace back when I feel like oh here are some of the signs of those things, I don't think the actual phrase or concept of mental illness was like college even after post college where it was like oh this is actually mental illness. Yeah. This is this is what's happening. So the it was it was just kind of a nebulous like struggle. It was like I'm struggling. Something is not right. Yeah, there's just there's just always struggle, but never like, oh well, the struggle may have a name. It may have some words around it, some concepts around it. It's not just name nameless and aimless. Yeah. So absolutely. So what when did you feel like that struggle started or what were some of those signs? Yeah, when I when I reflect back, I feel like in high school was um definitely like the first time I thought about taking my life was in high school. And, um, I know that something for me that has been really unpredictable is, is really ever changing deep emotions. And that was definitely something true in high school. And, um, look, looking at some of my relationships, my friendships and the types of friendships that I had, and now being able to define them, um, as these dysfunctional relationships that also goes along with for me, my diagnosis of mental illness. And so definitely seeing those signs that at the time didn't feel, I knew that I felt like I was different. I knew that I felt like one of my goals when I was growing up is I was like, I just want to be able to grow up and mentor people so that they never feel like me growing Mm -hmm. up. Yeah. And even though I didn't really know what that was, because it wasn't like my family life was bad. I have great parents and supportive and it so it wasn't like oh I grew up in this terrible environment but it was how I felt and felt like I don't want anyone to ever feel like this and so that's what I want to do in my adult life be able to make that difference 
Yeah. So you experienced those feelings in high school and then were already looking forward to adulthood of what that was going to look like and how you could change things for other people. What did, how did that move on going forward? I, so I went to college and I think my mental struggles just continued to get worse and worse. It was just exacerbated by moving across the country when I went to college. And I think that change was a really pivotal point in my ability to process things. And so a lot of symptoms really came out then in college. And it was so wrapped up in the things that were happening around me. Sometimes I feel like it's hard to to see, even though the things around us really do affect our mental health and mental illness, obviously there's um, this balance between what is environmental and what is just in you that's happening that's that's completely out of your control. And I think because of the things that were happening around me, it was hard to see that there could be anything that was out of my control, that it was really just purely my environment. And so my responsibility to pull it together and to deal with, and it was a lot of, I don't understand what's happening Um, And then in asking for help, um, other people don't understand what's happening for me. And even though I think we have grown in awareness of mental illness just as a society and maybe are able to recognize certain things more, even though um, mental illness can look vastly different in different people, to see, oh, these things are happening. These things are actually symptoms. These symptoms could lead to a diagnosis um, even though that was, I'm sure, true then also, I had a lot of symptoms that were pretty unexplainable and didn't make sense. And so I always felt like I really don't make sense to people. I don't make sense to me. I don't know why I do things that I that I don't want to do. I don't know why I do things that don't make sense. And I'm asking people for help and they don't understand. So they're not doing anything. So it was a, a progression of of trying to handle something that really I was not able to handle on my own. And to me, it really felt character-based. This is something I should be able to do. And I'm just not able to do it. So beyond just the mental illness factor, there was so much shame about it and so much um, of my own failure and feeling that, that failure and failure as a person, failure as a human and... Uh, anger over what was happening too. And I think for me as a person of faith and knowing that my faith practice is really important to me and important to my functioning too, um, I think though that's really good and I still continue to feel like my faith practice is really important in my mental health journey, because of the environment I was in, I think some of the spiritual aspects got in the way of maybe some more clear definition of what was happening because especially for me as a young person and not understanding the world and being thrown into college, I saw almost everything as something that was spiritual or that was a character problem or that was something that was my fault. And so it was very much a struggle, a nameless struggle that was my fault that I never could get out from under. That sort of all came to a climax in my junior year of college when I ended up as I'd been just declining and continuing to decline and continuing to ask for help and not be able to get it and also continuing to isolate and not say anything really about how I was, how I was doing. Again, that's that shame piece that that yeah, not understanding why it's happening and even having good language around it. Um, 
as I continued to spiral downward, that eventually was hospitalized and in a psych ward for a five-day hold. And so that was, I would say, I wish that it was a pivot point. And it was like, oh, and then it went up from there because then we knew. And yeah. And there's some really great being being in a psych ward is not a death sentence. Like it's it's any sort of hospitalization is fine. And there are some really great doctors, psychiatric nurses, psychiatric wards, really great people. Programs. Um, yeah. yeah, that are compassionate and that's that's there's a lot of stigma even about that when really it's it's just a, an illness. Um, but from my experience, it was not that way. And it was a really challenging and really terrifying experience, really. And, it, and instead of being helpful, it taught me to, to never ask for help again yeah. because I knew that I, I had felt like I had let everyone down um, because I had not been able to handle everything. And I was convinced I would never let people down again. So it was not very helpful. Yeah. <laughs> Even though that's not necessarily true of everyone. So um, really, it, it just added again to this nameless struggle that I, I didn't tell people about and didn't ask for help on and also didn't have language for. So that was really the the mental illness run awry without any sort of yeah. treatment. Yeah. Um, you've used two different terms and I've heard you define them before. So can you just define them for us mm -hmm. between mental illness and mental health? Can you talk yeah, about that? Definitely. So mental health, we all want to have good mental health, just like we want to have good physical health. We want to have good emotional health. We are able to take steps to stay mentally healthy. And so gauging just like you can have good physical health and bad physical health, you can eat, eat junk and never exercise ever and go outside in the winter with your short sleeve shirt on. Like you can, you, <laughs> Is that unhealthy? This, oh. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Redefine my life decisions. <laughs> Think about it. Those all would lead to poor physical health, just like we can take steps to um, have poor mental health. And poor mental health doesn't always lead to mental illness, but it can make you more prone to to lead to mental illness, just like making bad health decisions can make you more prone to physical ailments too. And so there's definitely a component of, of what we can do to make sure that we have good mental health or to, to work towards having good mental health so that we hopefully don't move into mental illness. And But at the same time, just like there are physical illnesses that um, are not our fault, people all the time get tumors, get cancer, have uh, different things that just happen. Um, or you get hit by a bus, break legs, things like that. Same thing with mental illness. There's mental illness that people can't do anything about. It's just happening in your brain or maybe it happened from trauma that you experienced. So when it turns in, turns from bad mental health to mental illness would be, um, though I don't have a degree, so don't just like go, go ask your doctor. Don't <laughs> just listen yeah. to me. But when it starts really impairing your functioning in normal life and it's become something that, that prevents you from doing normal life would be the, the way the place when a psychiatrist or your doctor would probably diagnose you with an actual illness. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for clear, clarifying that. I feel like those are terms that we throw around that aren't necessarily clear. And like you said, it is important to have language to say what's going mm -hmm. on. Definitely. So that's and helpful. I, I feel like it's interesting because I, I noticed this. I say myself, I live with mental illness, um, but people feel uncomfortable sometimes saying that. Mental. They're like, 
your mental health struggles mm-hmm. or when you have yeah. mental health issues and which is fine. I don't, I'm those also communicate the same thing, but it's just interesting that people don't want to say to me or often themselves, um, your mental illness yeah. or that I have mental illness or you are mentally so, ill <laughs> or you are mentally ill. Well, that yeah. one I don't like either, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> should not define your person experiencing mental illness, but um, yeah, just even the stigma around those words and not wanting to 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 claim them or yeah. to put them on someone. It does feel dicey though because you don't want to say something that someone hasn't accepted for themselves. For sure, it's a delicate issue. Some people, the people are at vastly different different places when it comes to acceptance or sensitivity. Yeah, to those things. But and I think you and I, and you've said this before too. You and I tend to deal with these things with some humor and some uh, rather abrasive honesty in order to get through it. That is true. <laughs> and that's not true for everybody. Some people feel like it is sensitive and, and I mean, it's not that it's not sensitive for us, mm-hmm. but the way that we cope often has to do with humor and pushing through and trying to communicate as honestly as possible for in sure. order to deal with these things. Mm-hmm. And speaking of which, can you talk about the myth about, asking people about it. Yes. People, again, just reiterating what we just talked about, sensitivity and not knowing how to bring it up and not having, uh, knowing what to say. People often don't want to bring it up because they think that it plants, especially when you talk about taking your life, somebody thinking about suicide. um, People don't want to ask direct questions or even bring it up directly because they're worried it will plant the idea in people's minds or Maybe a person looks fine, then you ask them and they remember how mentally ill they are and how they, oh yeah, they were going to kill themselves and they forgot or something like that. Like you reminded them. I'm not like, oh, I totally forgot that I had mental illness for a moment. And you brought it up and now I'm like, oh, I remember and all over again. I was feeling fine. Yes. I was healed. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's not how it goes. Yeah, for sure. And, and there's really that added, um, I would say, again, as someone who's really comfortable talking about it, it's a really, for anyone, it's really difficult to say, I'm struggling, I need help, but it's really, really difficult to say, I'm thinking about taking my life and, or I'm having thoughts of suicide or things like that. And so when you, as the person on the other side, when you ask the question, whether it's really direct, are you thinking, are you having thoughts of hurting yourself? Are you thinking about taking your life? Which um, those direct, asking those questions directly is actually really helpful. Um, When you bring up the subject, it shows that you care and it, it creates space for somebody to feel safe enough to say, yeah, I am struggling. Yes, I am thinking about taking my life. Yes, I am. I do need help. Things like that. So when, you, when you're willing to talk about it, if, if you're awkward about it, how awkward do we feel yeah. as, a, as a person with mental so illness? So awkward. So awkward. So <laughs> um, it's, it's really helpful for someone else to, um, even if someone's not ready to talk about it, if you're able to say, Hey, if you if you're ever thinking about this, I'm a safe person to talk to. If if you're ever feeling like you're struggling with with mental illness or something like that, I'm I'm someone you can talk to and opening the door and someone yeah. can choose to walk through it if they want. And that is part of the reason why I even wanted to talk about this on the podcast is just to let people know it's okay to talk about. Mm-hmm. That's a huge portion of why I wanted you to tell your story. And speaking of which, I kind of cut you off in the middle of your story. So let's go back to that real quick. That's rude. This is why I have issues. I know. <laughs> the, uh, me. I am the reason Devalidation. you have issues. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> All okay. these years. Okay. So college, you were in the psych ward. Just take us quickly through basically the last 10 years. Oh, okay. Quickly how, through. How yes, things, the rest of my life. The, the decade <laughs> since then. How have things changed or what's different or you know, in terms of diagnosis, what's happening there. Yeah. Tell us, give us for an sure. update. 
Yes. So after college, once I graduated, I did end up seeing a psychiatrist for the first time instead of a, a counselor. And so the psychiatrist did prescribe me medication. I it was not clear what kind of diagnosis that I had. Again, some of the symptoms were not cut and dry. They were confusing. And so you're kind of weird. We, so that yes, sense. that is true. Anyone who knows me could say that, but yeah. the professionals also, you really live in box free. Over really? there. <laughs> <laughs> I actually am I'm like the definition of box free. <laughs> no. So I went to her, she said, it's kind of sounds like this, try this medication. The medication was super helpful. I was like, why did I do this years ago? Which is another reason why I think it's so important to talk about because of the when I look back sometimes, I'm like, gosh, I lost like I got I lost time off my life because I really could have been on medication that would have been helpful to um, increase stabilization and um, it evened out my mood, which was helpful. So I really on and off in my adult life until the last couple of years had been in and out of therapy, sort of like, oh, I feel like we've dealt with everything. Oh, I feel like I'm struggling again. I think that I still had that, I was carrying that weight of the shame of I should do it better, even with medication. Then it was sort of like, well, now I'm on medication, so now I don't have any excuse, even even more so, because yeah. now I'm now I'm with the drugs, so I should be fine. And so to continue to carry that and to continue to be like, I gotta push through, I gotta figure out how to push through, and people didn't understand, and it's hard to talk about. And so I think when it came to therapy, it, it was still a very quiet thing. I didn't really talk about it. I didn't really say that that was happening to people. And I definitely didn't just come out and say I'm mental illness or, or bring it up, even though um, maybe I would have someone asked me directly. But it still was something that was very much like in the shadows of my life. And so, but eventually a couple years out of adulthood, I, I, I think I had carried this idea with me, especially through high school, which I think maybe was part of the reason why I didn't ask for help. It was the sense of, of this is something that I will grow out of. I'm a high school student now, you know, I'll get through this year or this year and it'll happen when I go to college. It'll happen when I become an adult. And eventually I was like, oh, wow, I'm just a full-blown adult. And that's like, there's, we're, we're at the top Turns out I now. still have issues. Yes, exactly. And <laughs> yeah. I was like, wow, maybe I'm not going to grow out of it. Look, I'm an adult and it's still here. It's like acne. You keep thinking it's going to go away. It I know. just never oh, does. That's so true. <laughs> Real life. So uh, just facing that and being like, shoot, this could be my life. I should have something change. And so that really, that is something that really pushed me to deal more into therapy, to get another psychiatrist. I had moved and I had stopped seeing my current psychiatrist. And so that I could be like, hey, we can adjust medication. We can try new things. Um, because even that I didn't really know was an option. It was that I could dig into, is there other medication that could help or different medication or different dose or things like that. And so that really pushed me forward in that. And then really what what pushed me forward in treatment, which I'm really thankful for, is I ended up getting a job that turned into a job about mental illness and a job about a ministry job caring for people living with mental illness and their families. And I really got to tell my story. And all of a sudden, it became a thing that was, that was positive and, and that living with mental illness and sharing about it could be encouraging to people and bring people hope. And all of a sudden it was like all this stuff that felt dark just became light because it became ways that I could, that I could help people and, and communicate to people as I've, I've wanted to, they're not alone. And so that was definitely pushed me forward even more. I think I'm in a season now where I'm taking in additional steps. I really, this last, I mean, the pandemic has been hard on all of us for sure. Um, but I think it, it highlighted some 
areas that I still didn't feel settled in. And so I ended up um, pushing forward with another, this was an outpatient program that I went to. And then now I'm in a pretty specialized therapy, year-long therapy treatment with, and I have like a whole team. I have an individual therapist, I have group therapy and a psychiatrist. So you know, yeah. takes a team, but it's, it's a, it's a process. And sometimes that process is just because you have to be an advocate for yourself because mental, good mental health treatment can be really difficult to find yeah. whether you're in an area where you don't have good people to choose from. Thankfully where I'm in Massachusetts, it's, it's, a uh, some really top people in the world of psychiatry, which I'm thankful for. It also, I mean, I've, I've been in psychiatrist offices who evaluated me and I left completely traumatized by the things they said to me and, bawled my eyes out and never went back because that was just difficult. And it wasn't necessarily because of what things I wouldn't want to hear. I just felt like they missed me and didn't hear me exactly. So really my whole life, I felt like I don't check boxes. I don't fit in a box because it's um, because of those strange symptoms and or those maybe incongruent symptoms that aren't cut and dry. And so that has been frustrating because it's felt like if I could say I have depression because here are the five symptoms that I fall into, according to the DSM-5, then (laughs) it's like, oh, I get the label depression and now it's fine that I'm not okay. Yeah. So now I have the justification and to not have that be clear has always been a source of, of really pain more than frustration because it felt like, well, because I don't have that, then I just suck at life and I'm terrible and again, that shame about who I am a lot more so. Shame spirals, just what Brene Brown calls them, shame spirals. Yeah, for sure. And um, just recently have gotten a couple other diagnoses um, in these new therapy programs. And even though I have learned and had learned to accept not being in a box and still saying I can have, I can live with mental illness and not fit into a specific box, and have the grace to know that it's an illness and not a character flaw. Um, but I am getting some better answers that um, have led to some diagnoses that do actually fit more of what I have been experiencing. And so even that and and getting to that, you know, 15 years later yeah. in treatment has been, has been great, has been exciting, and has really encouraged me to continue on in a really difficult season of this treatment specifically has been very challenging. Yeah. But... Which I think is a great reminder to people that, I mean, just because you deal with something once, an issue once, any issue, mental illness, um, eating disorder, any anything, just because you deal with it once doesn't mean you're done with it. Yeah, for sure. It's really unfortunate. That's an unfortunate <laughs> reality, but it is true. Sometimes you have to, to revisit and push through again and dig deeper and figure out how to make your life work in this new season. Mm-hmm. And different seasons can bring out different things in you. And so maybe there's been some sort of life change that's highlighted some issues or some things in your life that you haven't dealt with or has exacerbated things or have pushed you towards bad mental health. So then you're falling again into that pattern of, of mental illness because of that, because of things that are have changed in your life and yeah. the importance. And to me, it was really frustrating and really draining to have to push through in treatment especially when I didn't have the validation that I felt like I needed to say, this is not my fault. Um, but I'm so glad I did. The thousands and thousands of dollars I spent in therapy, I don't regret any of it. Even even when it felt like progress was such small steps, it's it's all been worth it to move forward into to freedom and healing. I really never thought I would ever experience. I never thought I would be able to experience not wanting to take my life. It's just a, a chronic thing that always happened. 
And, and I have been able to have seasons when that hasn't been true. And um, even now, that's something we're working on in medication to know. My psychiatrist just said something to me, and I'm like, why didn't someone say this to me 50 million years ago? <laughs> and he was talking, because I struggle with chronic suicide ideation, I have to talk about it to my professionals when they ask, but I'm always like, this is, see, this is a place where I bring in humor. I'm always like, they try to ask me, like, are you, are you close to taking your life? And I'm like, oh, I'm too tired. There's so many practicals. I can't make it happen. And then they get nervous, and then I laugh. And so they feel more comfortable, kind of. I don't know. Like, I pay you. You don't have to be comfortable. I, but what he said to me, my new psychiatrist, who I really, really love, um, he said to me, the, the place with you that I get worried is when your suicidal thoughts move from this is something that's happening to you to this is who you are. Mm. And that that shift when it becomes my identity is when he starts being worried about my safety. And I felt like that distinction is, is feels really key. And even for me to realize when I'm experiencing that I can stop and think, is this something that's happening to me? And I think in this new round of treatment, that's how I've approached it. If I'm thinking about taking my life, you know what? Normal people don't think about taking their life. And, and that is a symptom of, mental illness of something that's that's wrong and it's actually a symptom if it's a symptom then it can be um attacked as a move towards treatment how can I get the right treatment so that that's not how I feel yeah and it's not who you are yeah it's not who I am yeah and that's something that I know Becky said in our intro to this series she really wanted to focus on the fact that you are not your issues your identity and your issues are separate Mm -hmm. and that's yeah so that's a great point yeah I would love to hear just as we wrap up, well, first of all, I'd like to say I think that you have come so far and it's been so cool to be your friend. I mean, it's it, there have been tough times, obviously, but it's been really neat to watch you continue to grind through treatment because I, I know enough about treatment, been in enough treatment myself to know that it's hard, it sucks, it's rough. So thank you for continuing on that journey and for sharing your story with us. And I'd love to wrap up with one thing that you would tell people who are currently dealing with mental illness and then one thing you would tell people who know someone who is dealing with mental illness because what's what's the statistic is 46%, right? 46% of Americans will deal with mental illness at some point in their lives. Yeah, 46 right? or 48, I can't remember. Somewhere around there. Mm-hmm. Almost 50% of Americans will deal with mental illness at some point in their lives, which means that if you don't know someone right now, you will. Mm-hmm. So keep and that in mind. one in five adults in a given year that are currently experiencing mental health. One in five. So you you probably know someone now, even if you don't think you do. Mm -hmm. So let that sink in for a moment. And Mm -hmm. then, yeah, would you tell us, I'd love to hear what your thoughts are, your takeaway. What I would tell someone living with mental illness is to persevere. I think there are just five million reasons why you don't want to push forward um, depending on the mental illness, but obviously it's, it's impacting your life. It's keeping you from living the full life that you, you would live if you were healthy. And it's really frustrating. Getting help is frustrating. Finding the right health, help, finding the right combination. Um, even, even living with symptoms that are going to be chronic, that you're, you aren't ever going to get rid of, that you have to learn to manage. 
things you have to work through in your past, ways that's affecting you now, things that come up that you didn't know were going to come up, all of those things. And there's just Yeah, exactly. <laughs> there's just so many reasons to decide life the way it is is always going to be this way and there's nothing I can do about it. And I just would encourage people to, to not, basically to not accept that and to know that you can push forward towards freedom if you're we're willing to enter and do the hard work, can continue on, even if you are afraid, even if you feel like you don't have time, even if people in your life don't validate mental illness and tell you that it's not true and that it's not a real thing, push forward and have hope, try and find hope, try and ask other people for hope in um, what could be good one day because your life could be good. And uh, I mean, this is how I process things. Choosing to take my life for me, it just it it gives up on the hope that something really great could happen, and um, that my life could be used in incredible ways. And maybe it will be, maybe it won't be. But if I choose to take my life, I choose to give up on that. You'll that, never know that. Yeah. What if? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what I would say to someone who's living with mental illness or struggling with it. And somebody who, who knows someone or loves someone living with mental illness, I, I would say don't assume you understand. Uh, don't assume because your mother had depression that your friend who has depression is going to act the same way as your mother. Mm-hmm. Don't assume that because your cousin had schizophrenia that your boss with schizophrenia is going to end up the same way. Mental illness is so different per person. It is very personal, even though... Maybe it doesn't need to be. It doesn't need to be private or doesn't need to be shameful. It just looks different. Um, don't judge someone else based on your your conceptions of what you think mental illness looks like, or what you've seen in the media, or what you've seen in the news, or what you've heard of. Um, treat every person as an individual, not as as a depressed person. And this is how depressed people act, or. Yeah. Um, whatever that looks like. This is someone with an eating disorder and this is what always happens or just treat everyone as an individual person. And when you are thinking about what they need, ask, ask people, how can I support you? If they don't know, leave the door open and to be able to say, um, great, well, let me, how about I check in with you in a week and I'll ask you again. And if you want to talk to me before then, give me a call, something like that. Yeah. Don't don't assume people know what they need. D- don't avoid it because you don't think it will help. And also don't avoid it because you are afraid, which is something which is hard. And I've seen that with people in my life that especially when I'm talking about or saying I'm having thoughts about taking my life, they're super freaked out by it. And I see that and I'm like, how do I keep you calm? <laughs> and also know I need support. <laughs> I don't know how to reassure you that I'm okay because I'm actually not okay but it's not your responsibility. So yeah. it's, it's a weird line, Yeah. but um, try your best not to, to freak out, not to I guess. Panic. Not yeah. to panic. Yes, not to panic, because the panicking is not helpful. Yeah, those are great thoughts. Thanks again, Ash, for sharing, for being here for the competition mm-hmm. and then being mm-hmm. willing to talk about your issues on this super fun podcast. Mm. I really, I just appreciate being able to have these conversations, being able to have these conversations with with Becky, with you, um, talking about our issues openly, it it's a reminder that we're all human and we all fail and we all struggle. And that's not a death, death sentence, as you said. It's not something shameful. Um, it's just 
part of reality, part of being human. So thanks for being here and thanks for sharing. Oh, you're welcome. And we will talk to you next time on Living Box Free. Bye.